we have an old saying in Venezuela that when you are everything to a company, you're also the novio de la madrina. I'm honored. I will figure out what that means and add that to... Uh... It means the boyfriend of the godmother. <laughs> <laughs> we have broken new ground. That's the first time I've been called anything close to that, and I'm honored by that. Excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> so... Tell me about Venezuela. Were you in a city? Venezuela was the nicest place in the world to grow up in. It was beautiful. It was a fledgling country. It was a country that it was coming together. And Venezuela in the 80s was an absolute wonderful place to live in. I got lucky very, very fast in my life. I was very precocious and I was very young. I was only 16 when I finished high school. And I went to audition to the national television. And the person there, which is a, it's an institution there, he said, I like you. I'm going to use you, but not now because you look 13, 12, and <laughs> you look at least 15 on camera. I said, oh, okay. That's kind of bullshit, whatever, they, whatever he said. <laughs> but I'm going to go for it. And lo and behold, a year after, a year to the date, it was October 24th, 1988, the guy calls me. And he has a role for me opposite the lead guy and the number one soap opera happening in the country, prime time, 9 p.m. So wow. I went to school and I did a couple of plays. I mean, I, I was learning my craft at the time, but I was thrown into the uh, mouth of the lion right there when I just turned 18. And I said, OK, just go for it. And they gave me one page scene and the next day they gave me a five page scene which is unheard of in television i mean like you don't do five page scenes but i mean he wanted to develop everything in one page and then boom i went for it i studied the whole night and that changed my life so three months later i was under contract i was one of the leads and one of the the soap opera that led to the, the next one and then my life changed everybody knew me that lasted about about seven years, but I, I did not want to get stuck doing soap opera. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to do theater. I wanted to do television. I wanted to do film. So I decided to move to New York City. Uh, well, you uh, had all this access to this in Venezuela. So were you in Caracas proper or were you oh, nearby? Venezuela, Venezuela was a gift that kept given. I mean, I, I was able to produce theater there. I did three wonderful productions there as a producer, as a director. I mean, so my entrepreneurial book started in theater and television and in film with plays. Okay, mm -hmm. so I had a full career. I did uh, seven soaps. I did one sitcom as a lead. I did two or three TV movies. Did not do film there for one reason or another. That escaped me. And I did like about 20 plays as an actor, which was very, very good foundation for me to go up. My English was not up to par at the time. And I still not isn't. So that was my next question. Yeah, when you got to New York, how much, uh, uh, no, how no, much no, English I, did you I, know? I, 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 at that time, when I was studying dialect, I could actually fake it, but I'm not already want to fake it. Whatever, it's my accent. What it comes out. So then I went to to New York, and I started acting. I acted in about twelve plays, musicals, and opera. One day, I was doing three rehearsals at the same day. I was studying for a lead role in a soap, an opera, the Flatter Mouse, and I could not pay my rent. Yeah, and that's the, the truth, right? I mean, performers passionately go so far. You got to book the gig and get paid for it, too. Right. And I was getting paid for the gigs, but I was living in New York that it was so expensive. 
Yeah, where uh, were you? I grew up. I was in New York for about 20 years. Where'd you live? I live um, between Thompson and Bleecker for three and a half years. That's a great um, spot. I mean, the it's... middle of West Hollywood. <laughs> and then I was on between Second Street between B and C for another three and a half years. Wow, so you I wouldn't was... recognize Alphabet City now. I was just there no, last of course. month. No, I don't. Wow, it's, it's a complete parade of hipsters now and bars and restaurants and families. Well, the hipsters started when I, I was there in the year 2000. There was no more heroin syringes on the street. And But anyway, let's not get into that because that's another kind of worms. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> I got into a newspaper. A gay newspaper opened the doors for me of all places. It was called Lesbian and Gay New York. I was not particularly out at the time. I've always been bisexual kind that is more gay than anything else. But that opened me up to being completely out and about with my sexuality, which was tremendous gift. And it was phenomenal for me. I destroyed that closet. I never, ever uh, <laughs> seen it again. And so you came out in New York? I came out in Venezuela to everybody that knew me. But I had a, a, a public persona that I needed to take care of, even though there were rumors and whatever. I don't care. It, oh, it so was, you had to be closeted in Venezuela, except for your yeah, like inner circle. Career. Yeah. Career. Yes, at the time in the 80s. Yes. So pretty much. Yes. But then I came to New York and I in 1995. And, and you found your people. I yeah. was completely out. I mean, I just like that made no sense. I mean, like being in the closet makes no sense, especially now that all the kids are like so open and fluid and wonderful about it. That, it's amazing, that, isn't it? Short period of time, how that culture has changed. 30 years culture change. The boys are, and the girls too are, and everybody is, is more, they own their own stuff with, with such freedom. And it's, it's a delight to watch. Anyway, it didn't really meant a lot to me, but uh, Lesbian and Gay New York showed me that I could be a salesman. And that was uh, another set of skills that I was adding to my toolbox that really became important to me. And that's how I created my career. I mean, that's how I put it all together. And after that, I gained the confidence to do anything I wanted. I was late 20s, and that's what I've been doing all along. I mean, I produce about five movies. I've done four plays as a producer, director, writer, one that hasn't been produced yet. Uh, so that will be number five. And I have had positions of preponderance in uh, the film industry. I have, a, I have a name. I have a reputation based on my work, which I, I welcome. And it is very important to me, too. But I also, it helped me become the entrepreneur that I am right now. So when I decided that I was going to make Happy TV happen, I believe with all my heart that it was going to make it happen. And here I am. And speaking of radical changes to the culture, you are listening to the Successfully Funded Podcast, episode 246, brought to you by KiwiTech, a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. We also have a disclaimer I'd like to read. It's in full on our website, which is successfullyfundedpodcast.com. But you need to know that Successfully Funded Podcast is not acting as a broker or dealer, as such terms are used in the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, or as an investment advisor, as such term is used in the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. 
At no time does a successfully funded podcast provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities, structure securities transactions, facilitate the execution of securities transactions, handle investor funds or securities, or otherwise engage in activities that would require registration with the SEC as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. So if you enjoyed that preamble, you can see the rest of our disclaimer, which is very important, again, on the podcast website, successfullyfundedpodcast.com. I'm your host, Doug French, and I am really happy to introduce you to my guest today. He is the president of Happy TV, which is the streaming service made by and for members of the LGBTQ plus community. It's powered by an expansive and wide-reaching collection of queer cinema and TV series options tailored to the discerning, sophisticated consumer. And Happy TV proudly presents its content creators in a unique setting, unlike anything else in the marketplace today. And I'm here with its president and founder, Daniel Board. It's great to see you. How are you doing? Thank uh, you, Doc. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Uh, well, welcome. And I really want to talk more about Happy TV and how you came to found it, the inspiration behind it, the expertise behind it. And uh, we were talking about your career in New York. As listeners will learn, they're going to. He, Daniel made the transition from performer to producer and writer to entrepreneur. And it's an interesting apotheosis that he's reached now, having launched Happy TV, fulfilling a very specific niche in streaming video. And so um, I'm really eager to hear more about how things are going so far. Things are going really well. We're growing by leaps and bounds. We have an organic growth, which is fantastic. People are coming to us by word of mouth. And we're starting to get the attention of the brands that want to advertise with us. And that is a dream come true because I actually did this with brands in mind. I, well, I, I would hope to, so. Yeah. I mean, you have to I have to create a, 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 a financial a end game here for sure. Right. But no, but we have content creators. We have audiences that want to see it. And we have brands that make this company real. And I, I believe that with all my heart from the very beginning. And I believe that more than ever right now. So, so I welcome brands all the time. <laughs> well, as somebody who's been in the LGBTQ plus community now for <laughs> decades. 25 years. 25 years. All right. And there's a man who's, when you see his picture, you will not believe that he's been <laughs> an active executive that long. But the point is, as someone who's seen these, the culture change radically and recognize that you've come from a closeted Venezuelan to a proudly open American why do you think now is a great time for Happy TV to uh, to hit the ground running? Precisely so, because of that time that you're mentioning. I mean, like everybody is moving to the foreground in terms of expressing who they are and what they want. And Happy TV gives that to the people that want LGBTQ content. So that's the reason why we believe that this is the right time right now. I remember way back in the day when I was teaching test prep, there was an essay question. And the writing sample for, for the GMAT was, um, you can tell the ideas of a nation from its advertising. And, oh. and I think that's a really amazing essay question that still stays with me because you can take it in so many different directions in terms of what the brands will back and what the brands feel safe to support, uh, which is especially important now when you see backlashes in certain states about the LGBTQ community. And it's important for, for advocates to stay out and about and, and proud and, and strong and, and present. And I think one of the best things about that essay question is if you can see it, you can be it. You know, the more you see people who look like you and are like you in an entertainment venue, 
the more likely you are to follow in their footsteps. At least I think so. So is it fair to say that's kind of a, a goal in terms of finding some of the best queer content you can find and uh, bringing it to a larger audience? Absolutely. Not only finding the, the queer content, but also finding the queer content creators that are going to give us the next product. We believe in uh, highlighting the work of them and making them all about them. That's what's going to make a difference. And you can go to happy-tv.com and you can see how we do it. It's, it's very, very simple. So how do you mean that? If you go into more detail about making the content about them, how will content creators feel particularly nurtured in your environment? Well, we have a section and we, we, we feature all of the people that have made a difference and that we believe they're worth taking a look at. So we put our, a picture of them. Uh, so they're out and proud. And we also give them a, a bio where uh, they can express anything that they want. And then we also put a link uh, of the, uh, the content that we have from them at the moment on the site. So um, I think that kind of visibility actually makes a big difference in terms of not only presence, but also dependability and, and becoming a well-known factor in today's culture. And how do you think your experience as a performer, writer, director, uh, having been on the other side, you know, treading the boards and whatever else, how does that make you specifically uh, adept at, at finding and cultivating talent for Happy TV? Well, I look at the pioneers. I look at Divine. I look at Jump Waters. I look at Jesus. Um, my friend Bruce LaBruce, who does fantastic work. I look at the director of Maurice. He's also the writer and producer of Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah. For example, I mean, like, I give you examples of pioneers that in the 70s and the 80s became well-known for being out and proud members of the community. And uh, we take the lessons from them and we take them very seriously because they paved the way. They created the way for us to teach other people what can we do together. And that's amazing to see that theme, the theme of, of LGBTQ plus characters and what their lives are like in these prestige productions. I mean, something as recent as The Power of the Dog. And then you go back to the 90s, you go back to Philadelphia, you go back to well-received, well-done pictures that are about the gay community and how much more part of it it is as just another human story. You know, it's just, it's, it has unique struggles for sure, but it's also relatable in terms of the hero trying to overcome obstacles. It's just, they happen to be a little different than what others might be accustomed to. I mean, we talk about, if you can see it, you can be it. Do you have like a, a moment or a, a character on TV or in the theater that you saw as a kid or as a younger person that kind of empowered you to kind of embrace your full self? Uh, yeah, I believe the movie Maurice was uh, created a, a big impact in me. That's the movie that actually uh, made me come out of the closet. James Ivory and male Merchant. actually. Yeah, Merchant Ivory. Talk about Ivory. prestige. Yeah. Does it get any better than that? No. Right. So, so James Ivory was the creator that, I mean, with his fantastic, amazing work, was the one that actually spoke to me for the longest time. Yeah. Oh, and Carell, Reiner. Werner Fassbinder did a movie called Carell in 1982. Mm -hmm. That guy was forced to reckon with. A well-known homosexual died at age of 33 after making 37 movies. Sometimes he did five movies a year. It was incredible. He was one of the most important figures in queer cinema ever. I was just thinking too, my sons and I just watched The Imitation Game. It's another Cumberbatch story about the codebreaker in World War II who built this machine that broke the German code and yet was chemically castrated for being gay. 
or even someone like Oscar Wilde and how he was persecuted. If anything, is emblematic of how far the LGBTQ community has come in terms of its ability to perform. It's that you're you're planning an app like this. To continue with influences, I, I also would like to mention Derek Jarman. Uh, oh yeah, the maker on the '80s and the '90s, and Pier Paolo Pasolini and Lucino Visconti uh, as well. Okay, so uh, okay, I, I so I this is a very cultured man. That's how old I am. I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> So tell me about the app. Tell me what your plans are. Tell me how it's grown so far through word of mouth, what's on there now, and what you'd like for it to, uh, to showcase to further on. I'm continue hustling it up as much as I possibly can. I want to continue raising its visibility because we're growing, but we cannot grow fast enough in order to become the beacon of light and solutions for queer people out there that we want to be. We want to raise the hours. I want everything for this. I have great news about that. A couple of international outlets are taking us over, especially Pluto TV on UK and Scandinavia. That's uh, opening the doors for Europe. Uh, we're talking about another group to actually take it to Spain as well. So internationally, we're growing by leaps and bounds as well as the US. In the US, we are in about 13 outlets on our linear channel, TCL, Plex, Select TV, Rad, Cloud TV. God, we have 13. Uh, Streamium. Uh, season, Xiaomi, Huawei. I'm quoting by heart. I apologize if I miss anything. But also we are on Roku. Um, we are on Fire TV. We are on Android. We are on iPhone and iPad. And we are on the site, which is H-A-B-P-I-TV.com. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes for sure. We've chronicled your trip from Venezuela to New York City, but now you're in LA. And Let's talk about your resume for a minute now. You've actually undergone a lot of schooling and you had a lot of executive positions before this. So when did you just, first make that leap? I writing certificate uh, for the UCLA, which is, uh, it gave me so much delight. I, I just finished it. Hey, uh, congratulations. So yeah, that's, that's lovely. I did the production and direction from NYU and now I'm, I'm adding UCLA to my list of credits. I've been a independent distribution professional for the last 17, 18 years. Is that uh, what you as, moved to LA? I moved to LA because I was writing articles. I was in 12 publications and they were, I was doing really well with that. But I knew that the freelance writing and, and the writing uh, for newspapers in general was going to be killed pretty soon because of the current trends in the business. So I needed to create a career change. So I, I have a story about that. I targeted a producer. He got that guy made changed my life. His name is Carlos Fernandez and, and Javier Fernandez. They are the producers of a company called Filmax in Spain. They made a movie called The Machinist with from 2005. It's Christian Bale, right? With Christian Bale. He lost all that weight, yeah. He lost all that weight, but they made it in Spain and made it look like an produ American production. So mm -hmm. I noticed that the production was Sp Spanish and I reached out to them and I, I, I interviewed him. And I knew for a fact, because of another article, that he was planning to create L.A. offices. And they invited me to the American film market, which happened before. And I went there with a the mission that I was going to get those offices. And after three hours of work, three hours of talking, I came up with the offer to go into Spain and being part of them. And I worked with them for wonderful, marvelous three and a half years. With them until the crisis came and my position was killed but that opened the doors for me to continue in the industry and that's what i did i have not stopped working ever since 
And I get that for sure. I get a sense. I'm getting a pattern here that you just set your sights on something and don't stop until it happens, until you get it. I hope so, yeah. Well, Where does that come from? Part of your makeup? Part, was, it, was it your parents' influence? Or what kind of built you into this dynamo that just kind of I guess, uh, decides I guess what I, he wants and then gets it? I, I, I should give a lot of credit to my parents because they were the ones that made it possible for us to actually make this all work. And they had a lot of mystique in the way they work and they they did it for a long time and it was working really well. So I learned from them. They're both deceased now. Um, my dad would have been um, 96 years old this week and my mom died yes, last autumn. She died at 88. So they lived long, beautiful lives. It's interesting that you just kind of, you said yesterday for a minute there. So it's clearly, you're still, you're still processing that. For sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you yeah. see them much? Are they, were they in, uh, did they come to the States with you or were they still down I did in, not uh, live in the same, After I left in 1995, I did not live with them, but I made sure that every year I went to see them. So I saw them a lot, but after my dad died in 2014, I has not, I have not been able to go back to Venezuela. I'm scared to go because I could get forced to be there with the current political situation there. So I don't have a passport and it takes months to take a passport. So they could force me to stay there, even though I'm an American. I'm an American citizen, but even as an American citizen, they don't let you go. Wow. The relationships between America and Venezuela are cut. So there's no access to consulates. There's no open consulates in Venezuela. So in order to open a passport, uh, create a new passport, you need months to do that because you need an appointment and the appointment takes about a month and a half to actually give you results. You have to either go to Mexico to do this or you have to go to Spain or you have to go to Argentina or you have to do it in Venezuela. But if you go to Venezuela, if you don't have your passport in place, they would not let you out even though I have a Spanish passport and I have an American passport. <laughs> Well, we're learning that, right? International borders are no joke. That country is gone. You have, even though you are an American citizen, you do have an international presence and an international sensibility about where you want Happy TV to grow. So it's not specific to any particular country. But since you're building it in the States, how do you find the climate? How do you find your brand relationships and your outreach with trying to get the app to the next level? Well, I think what happened to Netflix recently was a setback for all streamers, for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, Netflix was received from, with bad news. But I mean, oh, my God, bad news from 37 million to 36 million. I mean, like the keys of success for that behemoth is so grand that for us, the little guys that are trying to put together an offering becomes a really, really difficult task to maintain, to continue. We don't grow the same way as Netflix does. We don't have the same buckets that they do. And that's fine because we're trying to become an alternative to all these major companies that are out there. We have um, a more curated, a more secure offering that is more loyal to LGBTQ audiences than what they are capable of doing. Even though, of course, they have wonderful shows that put together, we are growing slowly but surely. And it's not the same needs that these behemoths need in order to maintain business. Right. But, um, Netflix needs to be all things to all people, whereas you have a very particular genre that you're going to build for a very devoted audience Definitely. that is growing and will grow. Um, correct. But at the same time, the overall climate, when you see CNN Plus comes and goes in a month, 
people have grandiose ideas for their own streaming services. And we have seen that democratization, the spread so much now that people can't even keep track of what they're subscribing to and what they aren't. This happened in the past as well, in the 80s, when the television became pay. And it, it, it had an evolution. And if we study the cases that we saw on that, uh, on then, we can make it now. Uh, you can make the case for failed products like Logo from Paramount. I mean, I call it failed. You can call it a different way. It still exists, by the way, believe it or not. Watching reruns of Gilmore Girls. Uh, we want to be an alternative to that. We want to have the veracity that us being part of the community gives us. And I think that those experiments were run by people outside of the community with a certain level of expertise that where might not be there. And we want to take this to a completely different level. And you're hoping to acquire content and cultivate your own original content, which can get pricey depending upon how high you want to scale. I mean, how do you see your margins being maintained once uh, you invest more in the content, which... People are now making, I know with Netflix, it was something like $3,000 a content hour, which was just completely unsustainable. And again, we're comparing apples and oranges here because Netflix is Netflix. But how do you plan to keep your costs reasonable enough to keep those margins healthy enough to to prolong yourself? I can guarantee you that every single dollar that will come into Happy TV is going to be mostly used for promoting the brand as it is and to create ways to get access to content in which we can entertain and bring emotions to uh, our audiences. As we get funded and as we continue to grow, we're going to find solutions that are going to matter to the LGBTQ audiences that we have. We're making sure that every single dollar goes to that and it's been there for a while now. So it's going to continue happening. Is it a goal to also have an aspect of like a production company to help uh, nurture new talent for perhaps to make it that way? Or is that premature to talk about that now? No, I don't see myself messing around with production. I see myself partnering with the right people to bring solutions to production problems. I mean, I don't see Happy TV being the producer of the shows because Actually, Netflix does never produce, believe it or not. Netflix hmm. only works with third parties as well. They develop, and together they develop shows that are put together in the pipeline, but then third parties are the ones that are jumping on that. Well, which makes sense because you know you know production. You know how time-consuming and expensive and everything else it is, and I would it completely make sense that that would absolutely dilute your attention from the task at hand, which is to grow the overall business. I mean, you can do a little of both, but partnering with the right third parties that can bring the right uh, talent around and encourage young writers to contribute, that seems like it's uh, the best way to go, especially now. You're correct. We're in the business of distribution and exhibition of shows. Uh, so that's that's what we're doing. And now you mentioned also, you mentioned Logo, you mentioned uh, some other uh, people in the space. Do you have particular competitors? And if so, who are they? What are they doing different? What are you doing different? And how can you uh, distinguish yourself from them? We, we have great competitors. We have fabulous competitors that we love them very much because they make us be better, actually. And we welcome them because I think there's room in the market for everything. Our biggest competitor is a company that has been in business for about six years. It's called Reverie. I know them personally, and they've been wonderful to us. They've been growing tremendously this last year, and we celebrate their growth very well. I can get into detail about the differences between us, but I'd rather keep it sane. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love those guys. I think those guys are doing fantastic. And I celebrate every time that they're doing a home run or, or something comes up really well from them. I want them to succeed as well, as much as I want to, uh, want us to succeed. There's no bad luck in between the streamers at all. There's another one that is doing really well. It's coming from Canada. It's called OutTV. They're branded with um, Apple. And that was a very bold move. I love that. In fact, I would love to be become a brand within a brand for a number of reasons, but I'm not there yet. I may be there soon. Uh, we'll see. I cannot deny or confirm that yet, but that might be a, a way for us to do it. But but OutTV chose to brand with Apple TV, and I believe they're doing really well with that. So more power to them. I love them. I love that they're doing well and they're growing. There's space for everybody. Is the pie itself expanding or is it just do the competitors all have to compete for the same slices? No, no, the pie is it's only going to grow. So do you and see that as an end game for yourself to have a partnership with a real, I just throwing names out here like I'm Amazon? Or, that, you know. I, that has been in my thoughts and that is not a bad way of doing things. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if I can share them right now because I'm, I'm not in that position yet. Makes but perfect if, sense. I just, I, I'm always curious comes, about I it. Yeah. share with you a plethora of information on how I would do it because it will be fantastic. Well, that seems to be the end game in the media space anyway. Isn't uh, consolidation just the ultimate end game? I believe consolidation is a good thing. I believe consolidation happens. And I believe that you should be ready when the opportunity comes. I also wanted to talk a bit because you've, you've made a lot, given how long your CV is, you've been in this industry a long time. How do you think the time you've spent wearing all these hats over your long career positions you to pivot when you need to, to make decisions when they need to be made to seize an opportunity when it arrives? I'm always a big fan of the long view of people saying, well, the internet created all these problems. Yeah, well, people thought the same thing would happen when cassette tapes debuted. People who don't know history are condemned to repeat it. So how do you think your long view positions you to react and build as we go forward? The honest truth is I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I really wanted something like this. I wanted an outlet that I could call my own. And I wanted a business. So So is this something that, is this a COVID thing? Like I know a lot of people were putting off things and putting off life decisions and all of a sudden COVID hit and people were suddenly aware of maybe that their time on this earth was a bit more abrupt than they ever thought originally. Is this kind of a, if not now, when scenario? COVID was not bad for me, actually. It gave me enough time for me to reflect, to be with myself, to breathe, and to understand what I wanted for the rest of my life. So this came as a result. It gave me so many ideas and so many things that I wanted to do with my life. And this was one of it for sure. That's terrific. That's, that's a great part of your story. Let's talk about the opportunities that current streaming offers entrepreneurs that may not have been around five, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, the democratization of the field after pay TV went away and the AVOD systems were created such as this one, allows you to take a company from zero to one million in a certain period of time, which is fantastic. It's an incredible time for entrepreneurship, especially on media. And this is only going to grow. I know that for a fact. This is going to continue growing and becoming the fact of solution for many people. We just have to find the right places to be in and we're jockeying for those positions right now. But if we actually enter where we need to be, we're going to be golden. 
and we're not that far away from it. We just need a little push, and this is going to be the best thing to happen to this company. That's exciting. Yeah, the sense that now that the streaming technology is here and the opportunities are there and your brand relationships, as you say, you're pursuing those aggressively as opportunities for investors to uh, take advantage of. What sort of through line to content creation, production, management, what do you think is the, the, the golden thread through all of that in terms of the importance of this channel and, and how, you know, the, the power of a media company, what it can bring to the people who, who watch it? Patience. <laughs> a lot of patience because things happening, things are happening, but it, it cannot happen in one day. It just needs to be built and we're building it right now. And it's, it's a fantastic place to be in business right now. Well, that's a great way to end it, Daniel. I really appreciate the time. I've really enjoyed working with you with your event and reading your materials and seeing what your goals are. I wish you all the best of luck with this. Once again, we have been talking to the president and founder of Happy TV. That's H-A-P-P-I-TV.com, Daniel Bort, who has been through the wars and is on the other end. And I really appreciate the time. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Doug. That was, uh, that was fun to do. All right, everybody, that's been episode 236 of the Successfully Funded Podcast brought to you by KiwiTech. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.